This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Once again, here's correspondent Dan Revive. Autism, a neurological disorder, as many doctors would call it, that's not entirely understood. There is a new book filled with stories about fascinating people, but also a well-documented history. Who first noticed that some individuals had these problems and what happened to those individuals? The title of the book is In a Different Key, The Story of Autism. We spoke with the two authors, John Donvan and Karen Zucker. They worked together at ABC News. John as correspondent, Karen as producer. They did a lot of stories for years about autism. I asked if there's a personal connection, a reason they spent years focusing on this. Absolutely. It is a personal connection. I have a 21-year-old son with autism, and I have other children. It's their history as well as everybody else's. I know that, John, you have a, a brother-in-law who also was uh, diagnosed, has been living with autism. So it's a reality in, in your wife's family. In my wife's family, and my wife grew up in Israel, and that's where her brother still lives. Um, Karen's son is a, is a young man. Um, my wife's brother is a middle-aged man, which means that for that family, this story goes back to the 1960s, and things were very, very different in the autism world in the 1960s. Well, let's talk about that because your book certainly does. I mean, starting with, in fact, the notion, well, you found cases, and that's a decent word for it, Mm -hmm. of people where they were put in a mental institution or the family thought there's something wrong with them. In one case, right, you have a father who murdered his child thinking it would be, he'd be better off dead. And you've concluded that was autism? How would you know? Well, the the diagnosis in the case of that child was clear, and the diagnosis became available after the 1940s when it was first coined. And so from that point forward, when somebody was diagnosed with autism, the record will show that they had autism. But even going back before that crystallization of the concept of autism, we think it's quite likely that autism was part of the human condition going way back. And why wouldn't it be, right? It's part of nature. A certain number of people, you know, will have Autism. I mean, Karen, did you come to a conclusion? I, I thought I've heard once from you know public service announcements about one percent of Americans have autism, whether they've been diagnosed or not. Is it, is it more than that? Um, right now, that's basically what the CDC is saying. But the spectrum is very, very broad. For now, that that would be with the with the spectrum the way it's defined today. Yes. If I were to meet someone who had autism or has been diagnosed on the spectrum, what's the first thing I'd likely notice? Someone who has trouble being sociable is kind of quiet. Uh, is is that typical? Well, there's no typical. So the, the saying in the autism world is, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism, because there are people who can speak for themselves and advocate for themselves and are out there and are brilliant, but have you know severe social deficits and it's hard for them to get along in the world and then there are people who don't have language and can be self-injurious and knock their head against a wall and all of those people are called the same thing is that helpful that they're put into one spectrum very very interesting and important question because it's one of the great debates in the autism conversation today if you go back 50 60 70 years ago autism was a very narrowly defined concept and they it really only included those people who were uh, self-injurious, who had no, almost always n- no language. But the concept in our day has broadened to include people who are very, very successful at being independent in lives. And some of them are successful in their careers. There are professors and uh, scientists who uh, are on the spectrum. The question as to whether it's helpful, well, there are a lot of fault lines that result uh, because of that concept. And on the one hand, if you want to take on the issue of whether autism should be cured or treated... There are people who are very successful with autism who are saying, there's nothing wrong with me. Do not cure who I am. 
Don't even try to make who I am go away through treatment. At the other end, there are families whose children don't speak, who can't take care of themselves, who can't feed themselves, can't bathe. Uh, they want those things addressed in their child's lives. And there's a real tension between those two groups. And yet they have to stand together to the extent that there's campaigning. And by the way, is there a lot of campaigning and has funding for research and for care gone up quite a lot in the last decade? Well, the first part of your question is they don't stand together. And that's one of the tragedies of the autism community because we should all be in this together. Uh, when people work together, they're much more effective. And that's a very difficult thing. There are, there are autism organizations all over the world that are trying to raise funds and trying to provide services. How's it going? I mean, has it been quite successful? With more awareness, yes. usually comes more funding. Yeah, no, no question. There are organizations like Autism Speaks, which just sort of took the lead in terms of public consciousness after it was founded about 10 years ago. They raise millions of dollars. There's an organization called the Simons Foundation, uh, which uh, is privately funded, but it devotes tens of millions of dollars to research to understand what autism is. And how about government funding? Uh, the government stepped up ten, in 2006 with an uh, authorization of a $5 billion bill. Uh, Pretty and, recent, which, 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 but a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. Um, and that's been, that's been getting renewed. So there used to be pretty much zero dollars, and now there are literally billions of dollars. You mentioned Autism Speaks, and you have a chapter that's titled Autism Speaks. It's not only about that organization. Actually, it is. That chapter is. It is, because we wanted to talk about the, the, the role of advocacy in organizations, and since Autism Speaks is a very recognizable name, and also has in itself a somewhat controversial history, even since its founding. There are people who love Autism Speaks, and there are people who hate Autism Speaks. And so we felt that it owned it, it deserved its own chapter. And the thing is, is when you're talking about a lot of funding, it's sort of all relative. I mean, we've done very well in the history. Uh, we, you hear this in the stories that we tell throughout the book, in our history of closing down institutions, advocates, and getting children with autism into school systems. But we're, we're, we're just focusing now on the kids, and we're just starting to get that right. I hate to be personal, and it's up to you to what extent to answer, but I've heard of other parents who have a child on the autism spectrum, and they frankly wonder. See, when the kids are in their 20s, the parents will be in their 50s, and, well, it goes, what happens eventually? Well, that's every parent's fear, is what, what happens when I'm not here anymore. And society hasn't really made a plan. And so parents, once again, are trying to make a plan and advocates are trying to make a plan. But it's, it's very much, you know, the next step forward. And we, we're looking back to be able to help maybe shape the next step forward. Now, to any extent, have you concluded that the problem of autism or literally the number of people is increasing? The answer is that we don't really know the answer to that question. A lot of people claim there's an autism epidemic meaning that there is more incidence. It's happening more in the population than it did before. Maybe, but maybe not. And the reason it's so hard to answer that question, which seems to be obvious, is because the definition of autism itself has changed over and over and over through time, many, many times. And so by comparing the present uh, population of people diagnosed with autism to those 30 years ago and trying to draw a line between those two, you're actually comparing apples and oranges. Karen, are you trying to nail down the definition in your book? No, we're not. We're trying to explain it. The history of autism. That's what's contained here. The book is called In a Different Key, The Story of Autism. We've been joined by the authors John Donvan and Karen Zucker. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Please follow us on Twitter for the latest headlines at CBS Radio News. And I'm at Dan Raviv. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup, a wrap-up of the week with the correspondents who cover the news. 